1: Hi, folks, and welcome to the latest uh, edition of the Kitchen Garden Podcast. And I'm delighted to be here today chatting to Nick Hamilton, uh, owner of the beautiful Barnsdale Gardens um, near Oakham in Rutland. Hiya, Nick. How are you doing? Hi. <laughs> not, not suffering too much from the rain. It's pouring today as we're recording this, so it's nice to be out of it, I think.
2: Yeah, I think so. It's one of those days when you... you, you looking for all the indoor jobs uh to do and, and obviously this is a yeah. perfect indoor job
1: for me. <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah yeah well i mean I, I know i'm bound to say it chatting to you but barnsdale is one of my favorite favorite haunts it's um it's not far down the road from me but it's a lovely place to spend the day got some beautiful gardens there of course um and a lovely restaurant as well folks A lovely cafe so i can recommend it but we're here to chat to, to nick today mostly about peat or rather going peat free um because i think i'm right in saying nick there's a if it's not already in place there's a, a ban on peat in the uh, garden centers um certainly from the end of next year um i think it, it may already be in in, in i think it's certainly being phased out isn't it but uh, it's a ban that's been coming in for years i think i think it was 2020 it was supposed to be here and then it wasn't and i think finally um there is pretty much now, and into peat-based peat com, peat composts. And, of course, at Barnsdale, you've been peat-free for years, haven't you? I think at least 30 years?
2: Yeah, I think, yes, but but 33, I think. I've, I've never used um, peat on the nursery at all since we started it, because uh, when I... When I came back to Barcel full time and then a year, well, almost a year later, we, we acquired the area that is the nursery, and obviously then having to build it and, and create, you know, the beds and everything else, put the tunnels in. Um it took a while to get going, but but uh, at that time Adab was just starting to turn peak free, uh yeah. doing its trial. So so um we sort of went along with that. And a lot of the work that we did on the nursery was what he was then showing the viewers. On the program, so I was sort of yeah. working hand in hand uh, with him. But I mean, the Pete thing—you're right—the Pete thing has been coming, and I keep saying to people, you know, that my dad was so far ahead of his time with so much of his thinking uh, and yes. the way that he was doing things and showing people, uh, you know, all these different ideas that that he'd had and information that he found out. And and it's right because they're still catching up with him because you know, 27 years later, they're now you know we're we're on the verge of of Pete being banned it hasn't been banned yet. Uh, in compost for the amateur gardener you 're right it's been i mean it's it has to be honest been almost twenty years in the making you know they 've been talking yeah. about it for a long time um, now it, it is supposed to be the end of next year, whether that will materialize we don 't know you know we're waiting for the government and defra in particular to make up their minds as to what they 're doing really in that respect <laughs> uh, but I think a lot of a lot of garden centers are are trying to stay a step ahead, so a lot of them are actually are starting to phase out peat-based compost anyway, and obviously, you know, making their their available range of peat-free much greater. Uh, yeah. in, in preparation, uh, the last thing you want is to be running around like a headless chicken tra- <laughs> when everybody else is <laughs> trying to find you know pallets of, of peat-free compost to, to to buy to put on sale for your customers. But you know, we've been using it successfully in both the ornamental and the productive areas like i say for you know 33
1: 34 years now yeah well ahead of your time yeah
2: yeah
1: and yeah. um, i know i mean i've been trying peat free compost for a few years now or, or quite a few years sort of um, well, wanting to cut back on peat obviously but also as you say trying to prepare for for a peat ban and but i know some of our readers as well. Had had a few problems getting used to it, getting the hang of it. It's it's a different beast, isn't it, from a, a peat compost? Some some. I mean, there's lots of different brands. They're all a little different, I suppose. But take a bit of getting used to sometimes.
2: Yeah, there are. I mean, there are substantially different different types of of compost out there. And and this is the thing: is that you know we, people are so used to peat compost, and of course, whatever. Whatever mix that you create and, and, you know, when I worked on a, on a big wholesale nursery uh, in Norfolk in the um, not sort of mid-late 1980s, uh, you know, we, we probably had about seven different mixes that we use for for different plants because of their, their requirement was different. And so yeah. when you look at a peat-based mix, even though, you know, the, the, the ratios might be slightly different of what you get in it, uh, it, is, it is still predominantly peat. Whereas when you look at a peat-free, they're made from all sorts of different things. You know, you go from sheep's wool, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> right the way through, you know, coir based You get you know, predominantly bark-based now, um, but there are also all sorts of different things mixed in with those. It is a, you're right, a completely different beast to to peat, and it it is about, um, you know, understanding it, which is why I keep saying to people, you know, don't, just please don't don't wait till the ban. You know, get some now and and try different things because I think. You know, you must also find with your with your readership, as I do with the visitors to the gardens, is the fact that you know people have their favourite tools, you know, and none of the others are as good <laughs> as the ones that they like. You know, no, they have their favourite no. company, and none of the others work. You know, <laughs> none of the ones that they like. And, and but the point is that you know, if you got a hundred people in the room, you'd you'd get quite, you know little groups of people that that love what they grow and think that you know it is it's the only seed that germinates and yet another group that has no luck with that particular brand, but has a great luck with another. So I think with the, with the peat free compost, it's about trying because there are so many different types about, and also, you know, I I think that, that nobody's really adding, um, you know, a soil based um, compost really to their range. As far as I'm aware, I might be wrong, but I haven't seen any about myself. Uh, and And so, I think it may be a case of actually buying a peat free compost and then adding to that yourself now, bear in mind that you know in the productive area we're we're you know whether it's in our garden we have a productive area, whether it's on an allotment or or wherever it is you know we're we're predominantly either in the greenhouse or planting into the ground so you know, even if we're using some of that soil that we're we're not taking soil every year and not replacing it because even if you're using it in pots, when you finish you empty your pots back onto your allotment or your or your productive yes. area. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, it's sort of recycling it. And I think that you know you I don't think that they're the finished article yet, a lot of them. Um and I think that maybe, you know, people by playing a little bit, I mean a leaf mould is a really good thing to add as well, because that's a very sort of structurally that's a really consistent um, material to to use um, to add as well if you didn't want to add soil so I think you know it's about it's about having a little bit of a play really yeah yeah
1: yeah do do you make your own compost at Barnsdale or
2: no we we do we do that really we use a proprietary compost predominantly and and then add to it so you know we'll add our own um Fertilizer to organic fertilizer to it uh, because you know I think that the the problem is that you know on the whole a lot of of what you get is not so specific anymore. So some of the 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 bigger brands tend to be maybe just multi-purpose compost. Yes. And then And yeah. then you know and then you've got to, if you want to use it for for potting on then you know so we we're growing our peppers, our aubergines, our tomatoes, cucumbers, all melons, all in pots and things in the greenhouse. So we're having to to um, To add fertilizer to that, and that again, it, it's it's about trial and error. It's also about the about the crop. You know, the, the beauty with with things like the fertilizer thing, because you know the 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 joy with really the joy with peat. Take away all of all of the really bad bits of you know about using it. Obviously, we're just yeah. destroying all these peat bogs and all that sort of stuff, and it and it's terrible. But the great thing about it is it's completely inert because it's been rotting down for millions of years. So <laughs> So whatever fertilizer you add to it is is what's going to be there. Whereas a peat-free compost tends to still be rotting down because of the material they use. And it's predominantly wood-based a lot now, or even the sheep's one. They're still yes. still rotting, so they still will be using a certain amount of nitrogen and, and and whatever. So it's you know there's a lot to understand about it, which is why I've been saying to people you know don't wait till the last minute because there it is it is very different.
1: Yeah. I think the, the two things, as you say, I've, most of the ones I've bought seem, you're never quite sure what's in it because I, I guess all the companies want to keep keep the formula to themselves and you can't blame them for that. So you don't often get, you know, this compost contains whatever. But as you say, they, they seem to be wood-based mainly, don't they? Wood waste, I suppose it yeah. is. So still rotting down. So one of the problems I, I've found is, is they, they tend to get, they look very dry on top. It's, it's almost a solid layer and you, and you think oh it needs watering and so you pour more water on what you don't realize is that the rest of the pot is is still quite wet isn't it and yeah so watering's a big thing i think isn't it trying to adjust yeah. that
2: yeah everything i mean everything but you're right with the watering thing and it, and it is quite difficult i mean you know i get asked a, an awful lot you know <laughs> you how often should i water this <laughs> and the answer <laughs> and the answer always is you know water it when it needs it because you can't, there is no definitive answer. You know, there is no definitive answer to that. You know, if you say to somebody, well, you know, I'm going to I'm going to pot on my tomatoes, so uh, you know, and then I'm going to put them. I mean, we grow a lot of ours in a polycarbonate tunnel, so or tunnels two tunnels and so you know how often do we water well it depends on the weather but you can't say to somebody water them every day or or you know three times a week or whatever because it could be cool and actually they don't need it or it could be really quite warm and they do need it maybe twice a day three times a day even sometimes you know so it's a difficult but yeah, it's under, but that's the point. Is it, there are so many different factors to understand with these compost. We've we've got we've grown up and got used with peat and got used to it. You know, it first came in in the in the sort of the late sixties, really, didn't it? As as a use in a yes. sort of commercial yeah. environment, containerization, all that sort of stuff. And 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 so you know, we've both grown up with it in in the horticulture industry as being the thing that you use for possing stuff on and for sowing yeah. stuff into. Yeah you know and 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 so we, we've got we, we've got well used to that now we're having to change and get used to something else now obviously you know i didn't i didn't just jump on a bandwagon and say right okay you know don't use not using peat now so i'm going to do that and i'm just going to do this you know we we ran trials we did lots of different mixes in those days it was predominantly coir uh <laughs> that was that was being used now you know, you pick up a Victorian gardening book and there'll be references to coir in that. So they, you know, it's not a new material. Yeah. They were using it no, no. under 100, 150 years ago. So, you know, it, it, there are, and then obviously then all of a sudden it, it sort of coir's taken a bit more of a back seat, and it's maybe being used within mixes, but it's not the main constituents of a mix anymore. It's more wood-based. And so that brings it, it, it you know, a different slant to it. And so we've had to relearn and retry again with, yes. with With things um you know and there are i mean we found that that a lot of the peat free um stuff that we've tried um isn't um as perfect as we would like it to be um and and i think there you know we've suffered a a little bit of variation with a particular brand that we've tried Uh, and you know and that's not good so sometimes we've, we've had to riddle a little bit you know, to get some of the larger bits out of a multi-purpose compost because we want to use it for sowing. Yeah, and yeah. Maybe that we've got to put a little bit more effort in, but but you know the the benefit of it is, you know, saving all the peat and everything else is is worth the yeah. effort. Yeah,
1: yeah. What about feeding with these composts, Nick? You 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 mentioned that in passing before but you you need to feed a little more do you think um than with peat-based compost
2: yeah absolutely i mean like as we said they're still rotting down so so the bacteria do you know working on that process is is consuming nitrogen it's what they do in a compost heap it's what they what they do in the ground you know so that that's um that's something you need to keep an eye on um and you know it is i've always said to people you know when when in, in the productive area you know, when I run the courses at Barnsland, so I'm saying to them, you know, understand your pest, understand your disease, understand your nutritional, you know, deficiencies and what they look like. Because if you if you can understand those three things, then, you know, you can you can then deal with whatever comes to you in the right way, because you, you see so many, you know, I get lots of people coming in and say, I mean, I had a classic with somebody coming with a it was actually a fuchsia leaf, so not productive, but it was a fuchsia leaf. <laughs> Or, a, or a, a, several fuchsia leaves on a on a twig, and and she said, "Oh, you know, she thrust this thing under my nose and said, <laughs> you know, what's this?'" I've been spraying it with with fungicide and 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 it's and it's not killing it and whatever and it was it was sooty mould you know so it was oh. whitefly whitefly was the problem and I said yes, to her, well yeah. you know to be honest you'd have been better off just burning your fibre instead of spending it on your fungicide <laughs> and, and you know because for the good it's doing and I said to you you need to, you need to investigate and understand you know what's causing the problem so you know I think that yes yes peat free does need. Uh, more feeding particularly with nitrogen but not just just as a matter of course it's a case of whether it needs it so you know seed, seed raised is it should be out of that pricked out and and you know potted up or, or or whatever you know into modules or whatever before it there's a requirement for extra food it's the stuff really that once you get to you know potting into a you know, seven eight inch pots or whatever. You know, um sorry, not seven eight inch pots. Three, two to three inch pots, seven to eight centimeter yeah. pots is what I meant. You know, and you, yeah. you go to that first stage. Then, as that's growing on, you you, you probably would want to feed a little bit then. Um, you know, and and we use we use a variety of different things. We will mix pelleted chicken manure in with our with our compost, and obviously the rates of that we've we've sorted out for our own. Purposes. There's no set yes. rate. It depends on what you're growing, uh, and their yeah. requirement. Uh, and and but we always have the backup of using things like seaweed base feed, or or our own um, nettle feed. You know that that, right. that we that we make just by you know chucking a, a an onion bag of of nettles into a into a water butt. And people say, what ratio <laughs> is that? I said, it's the ratio of whatever it comes out at. Yeah. <laughs> you know but it does the yes. job it's the point not a perfect
1: science but
2: it works yeah well but it's again it's you know it, it 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 just depends you know you you they don't react so so rapidly that that you're going to lose them straight away they they give you the signs that they're that they're struggling a little bit mm-hmm. before before they go so you know when when you you become nice and deficient for example then you get the yellowing of the leaf and and, and they just don't look particularly well and then you can but before that you, you know, as an organic gardener your your most important weapon against everything are the eyes it's <laughs> your two eyes are the most important thing because you need to be you know di- looking for and dealing with things the minute that they start to become problematic so you need like i say if you understand what nitrogen deficiency is then you can catch it at its very early stages before it goes too far, then actually bringing it, knocking it back inside and giving it a little bit of extra.
0: In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. That's code listen at BlueNile.com com for fifty dollars off your purchase BlueNile.com,
2: dot com code listen feed will very rapidly correct that whereas if you leave it two or three weeks and they become really quite nitrogen deficient it takes a long time to get back and certainly when you're producing crops that has a massive impact on the you know the, the, the ultimate yield that you're going to get from that crop which will be vastly reduced yeah yeah.
1: So I suppose the, the message with the compost is, is buy some and, and give it a try. You know, don't wait until you just can't buy your favourite compost anymore. Get out there and have a look and see what's available and and yep, yeah, see which one you yeah. prefer.
2: Absolutely. I mean, would you you know, would you go would you go and buy a house without looking at it first? Would you go and buy a car without sitting in one and maybe giving it a test drive first and, and having yeah. a go and seeing you know, if it suits you and, and whatever, you you wouldn't you know and and stuff and i dread to think how many people have ordered clothes online and sent them back you know <laughs> because, because they're not what they they're not what they thought they were and that's yes. the point yeah. you can do that but when you, with compost you know once you've sown into it once you've planted into it you're you have to go along with it mm-hmm. you can't you can't go picking your seeds out and chucking your compost away and trying something else you know you you have yes. to sort of go with yeah. it so you know what 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 we've been doing is to you know is to trial um small amounts of of what we 're growing, so that you know if it doesn't work it, it doesn't really impact on what we 're growing so it's sort of almost yeah. uh, you know so if we're let's say we're we're, we're sowing um you know uh, French beans in in pots in the greenhouse then we'll we'll maybe we'll do our you know twelve or whatever that we we're, we're doing for that particular batch, and then we 'll do maybe a couple of extra ones in 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 the new mix just to yeah. try it. If they don't work, twelve. if they do, they might be stronger than a couple of the 12 of the normal ones. So we'll replace them with that. So, you know, it's it's but it's over a wide range of different crops because they all react slightly differently to to things um, and and to do that. So, you know, it is about it's about trialing. It's not it's not as um, scientific as people might think in that respect you know you you sow seeds into a into a new compost see how they do but but you need to have a a control to go with that so you also need to sow them into you into the you know another compost either your peat base now just to see how they how they compare um i have Mm -hmm. to say that you know initially the problem with um with the uh the peat-free compost many many years ago well we're going back 30 30 plus years was you know the people who were doing trials on them and and then making that public were treating the peat-free compost in exactly the same way as the peat based and as we've already said they are totally different so even though you are going to try a control with your peat free you, you still need to treat repeat free differently and learn about it it's not going to be the same as Pete.
1: yeah yeah no, that's really interesting I'm, I'm sure we'll get a lot of questions um, from that and um and as we get into the band i'm, I'm sure you know we'll, we'll get people asking um a lot about feeding and watering and everything so i'm, I'm sure that'd be really useful the other thing with Barnesdale of course, is that you're—I mean—you're completely organic, aren't you? So no pesticides either. So no. I was wondering—I wanted to ask you about that. I mean, how do you how do you cope with some of the some of the pests? I mean, we all get we all get these things—slugs, snails, caterpillars. All these things, um, and you're well practiced at dealing with all these. So, what, what do you? I guess is it a combination of you know your netting, your um, companion planting, all those sorts of things combined to cut down on the pests?
2: Yeah, I think it is. I mean, I think the the difficulty is is that um, you know I think um, quite rightly because because they're not professional um, horticulturalists. You know, the amateur gardener can can become worried about Lots of different pests, and they worry about things that they're not ever likely to to maybe succumb to. So, you know, I, I did a, a talk to a group a, a little while ago now about how to grow vegetables all year round. It's a very short, very very short version of my of my day course that I do. But I mentioned, you know, about about growing um, onions and garlic next to carrots because of uh, to to deter the carrot fly. And a lady, I said, does anybody do it? And the lady put her hand up and I said, "All right, have you ever grown your carrots? I said, do you get carrot? You don't get carrot fly. They said, oh, no, 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 never had a problem with carrot fly. And I said, well, you know, have you tried it without the onions? And she said, no, why would I do that? Because then I get carrot fly. I said, well, not necessarily. It isn't everywhere. It's the point. Yeah, it. everybody suffers from it. <laughs> and and they have proven that you know i mean carrot flies i mean they they they're all their senses are home to carrots aren't they i mean you know to us <laughs> an onion is very pungent to a carrot fly a carrot is very pungent you know so so, so the thing is that I've, what i've always found is if you can if you can create it as an organic gardener if you can create a natural barrier that will stop that pest from getting to your crop then that by far is the better way you know to 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 to, uh, to keep it healthy and to keep it growing well if you can do that now we can't do that all the time so you know sometimes we have to say right okay so if we can't do that what's the next best thing we can do well you know as an organic gardener the amount of product that you have in order to deal with pest is incredibly limited so again we go back to the eyes if you go into your you know your polythene tunnel or your greenhouse or, or your tomatoes outside and you find a little bit of white flower on there then take that leaf off take the problem away potentially yeah. may be the only bit that they've landed on they've just started to lay eggs on that bit and they haven't actually spread elsewhere and then you take that problem away you don't have a problem and yeah. so yeah. you know if you can if you can be there at the first attack of anything whether it's a fungal disease or whether it's a um you know a, a, a pest then then that's that's one of your, your your main advantages there and then the rest of it really is is about looking at, at organic products so you know for for our brassicas, for example at Barso, we don't actually net against um cabbage white butterfly right. uh, but the netting we have will stop the large cabbage white, but it won't stop the small uh but we're netting predominantly against the against the demon pigeon uh, no. what we're, what we're netting <laughs> predominantly. and and you know we use um a, a product called Dipel uh for um for the cabbage whites. And it's a bacterium, and it's specific to to um, you know the Lepidoptera butterflies, and so and that's the cabbage whites, both of them. And and it's nice and easy because you can just spray it over the top, they ingest a bit, and then it kills them, you know, from the inside. And 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 that's the that's the way it works. You know, the the, the there are nematodes that you can use, but the thing with the nematodes is that they're contact, so therefore it's on your hands and knees. All the caterpillars are underneath <laughs> the leaf, trying to trying to spray them and do it like that. So. You know, just being able to spray over the nesting and doing that we find really useful the problem with diaper is it comes in a container and you know you would have to live about four lives in order to to use <laughs> the whole container because it, it, you don't you only use a very little bit of it and right. so we have several people that we we buy we all buy chip in and we buy this container and then we divide it out and that's the way to, you know that's the way to do it so I think that you know the 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 barrier thing is great. The visual thing is absolutely necessary. Uh, but if all else fails, then do that. But but you know we've we've found that as with everybody, we find ourselves saying occasionally. I mean, it is rare, but occasionally we do find ourselves saying, "Well, there's always next year." <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's the final thing you should be saying on any crop, really, um, and, yeah. and stuff. But but it does happen. You know, it does happen. And this year has uh, proven to be challenging with certain crops because of the lack of light and and you know and the colder temperatures and things and we get that every year and and you know if only we knew what was going to grow well and, and produce well uh then we wouldn't grow quite so much of it and then we wouldn't have to eat it with every meal um but and then, <laughs> and then other things we would grow more of but but you know the the it is difficult because we don't know every year what's going to be a problem pest or fungal you know we found that fungal diseases certainly you know in the cooler damper times were problematic uh and and so um you know it's about being aware and but i you know i spend my time everywhere i go i'm, I'm always looking always looking and and so is john head gardener john always looking and and so is susie on the productive areas that that's you need to be doing that always looking always looking for something that I don't mean that you need to be checking under every leaf in case you've got white flow or or checking to see if you've got any botrytis or anything like that. It's just about if you're looking around, you do tend to spot something that isn't normal. Yes. Yes. And that's the point. So, you know, so in our greenhouse and and polythene tunnels, we do use the yellow sticky traps, not as a a, a means of catching pests, because they you know the, the flying insects tend to be attracted to yellow so they'll, they'll they'll head for that it's more of a of an indicator as to what's about yes yeah and, and and that's what we that's what we use for so there are there are quite a few things like that but we are very limited as to what we use so for a lot of things like green fly you know we we use a, a, an environmentally friendly washing up liquid um mm-hmm. so you know that that kills quite a lot of of, of the you know pest and, and things you know, nicely cleans your veg as well, which is always <laughs> uh, and and stuff. But like I say, we are very limited, and I, you know, I don't, I don't see, for me personally, I don't see that there is a, you know, if you've got a, a an organic um, pesticide, and and Derris was the classic example, you know, been banned now, and and whatever. But if you if you have a, you know, period from spraying to harvest that you you have to leave the crop then i can't see that that's beneficial to an organic gardener so you know what i want is something that i can i can spray and if i come and i want to eat a tomato 10 minutes later i can you know and, and, and that that's what we should be doing but but i think you know that that we we can put out precautions and we can also be very vigilant. And and I think they're the two main things. And then if we have to fall back onto organic pests, you know, pesticides, then that's what we should be doing
1: yeah yeah I'm always very jealous of your veg at Barnsdale whenever I come over it always looks amazing so <laughs> I think well, how does he do it how does he do it I can't
2: I can't, I can't take the credit for all of that I mean I, you know Susie's great and 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 she looks after all those areas and and uh, you know she does a wonderful job and we do you know we do spend you know enough time discussing what we're doing and whatever but I'm you know I think that uh for me with with any any employee you know to just to be able to think well you know I don't have to worry about them I can leave them to do that and and I know that every evening I've got veg waiting for me to take home and fresh yeah. veg and you know and and the point is as as you know and as your your readership know you know there is absolutely nothing better than something that you produce yourself it might be a little bit moth-eaten you know, but the point is that what we're getting is something that has all the goodness. It has all the flavor. Uh, and obviously, you know, we're able to pick it fresh as well. And and so, you know, it, 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 there is nothing better. So. So for me, I mean, that, that's I mean, you know, we straddle a little bit in, in production as well as education. So, you know, realistically, yes. the, the areas are there are there to to educate the visitor. But of course, yes. you know, we, we we grow to eat so we grow in yeah. smaller numbers because because we don't want to um you know we don't want to overproduce and, and waste things and and this year we actually funnily enough even with the low light the tomatoes went bonkers absolutely mm-hmm. bonkers um, and the great thing about the tomatoes is we can push those through the tea room i love tomatoes so uh, uh, you know uh, uh, plenty for me but but at the back end you know f- about or oh, three weeks ago, we we were having to bag up tomatoes to sell in the shop because we just had the two room couldn't cope. You know, I had well, more than yes. we just took them home. And so we were selling them. And we had people, you know, after we'd sold out, coming back saying, "Oh, oh, we've got no more tomatoes." God, they were <laughs> fantastic, and they are because we're growing the right varieties. You know, we're not growing just for yield and class A and and all of that sort of stuff. You know, we're growing yeah, for yeah. for flavour, uh, which is flavor. Yeah. You know,
1: yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah. And you, you mentioned, I mean, already said, Barnesdale, great place to visit. But you, as you said, you're also educational and you run lots of courses. Do you run those all year round, Nick?
2: We do run them all year round. I mean, there are um, there are times when we don't do quite so many. So, um, you know, obviously the, the summertime is everybody's busy. And um and when I say everybody's busy, I mean you know people who would be normally attending courses, but also, you know, the people who would be running them. Yes, <laughs> so yeah, you know course. we're all busy and we do a lot. We do internally. Um, so I'll do a lot and, and John does um you know several as well. Uh but but we also have external people doing stuff as well, which is which is great. But we do run them all year round. But obviously we're trying to, you know, we target the times of year when when it's right to do them so you know for example if I run my vegetable year round course and I do it in earlier on in the year and also later in the year so I run it twice a year because there is no best time to do it because you're looking to have as many vegetables as you can all year round so you know yes. where do you stop and start you, you should be you know running all the way around so it, you, you're catching some stuff just right at one end and other stuff once that's gone, you know, at the other end, that you couldn't show the first one. So, it's that you know, sometimes we double up on things purely because it, it, there is no really good time, and there are two sort of better times to do. But, but yes, we yeah. do them all year round, and we use, you know, I, I view the garden as an educational facility. I don't view it as a tourist attraction, which is what the council do. I don't view it as a, you know, so much as a, as a, you know, a horticultural facility. It's a horticultural educational facility, is what it is. Yeah.
1: Yeah yeah oh that's, that's amazing and obviously people can find out a lot more from your website so if you'd yeah. like to visit there and I guess the courses will be on there as well or just yeah everything, everything's on
2: the event website events you've got going on yeah it's just uk and everything is on there and and yes the courses events and and we try and do quite a lot of those sort of things as well um but a lot of what we do is 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 practically based so it is it is you know we, we always certainly with the courses and and with some of the things we do with the events it's about you know making sure that people get you know and normal visitors to be honest people get given the the information and are armed so that when they get home they can deal with whatever they've got at home with the information they've been given it's not you know for example if you're you know if you're um pruning a rose, for example, there's no point showing somebody how to prune a specific rose because when they get home, their rose doesn't look anything like that and then they don't know what to do. <laughs> so it's about learning the principles of rose pruning as opposed to, you know, stuff. so that's what we do. And we, you know, we always do it. You know what I'm like. I mean, I'm, I am I like to have, a good you know, fun and I like to enjoy stuff that I do. And so I make sure that that's how these courses are run. They're not, you know, they're not um, hard work. They're good fun. And, you know, we, we have yeah. a good time yeah we have a good
1: time oh that's great oh thanks so much for talking to me today nick and i'm sure the listeners will have learned a lot about them you know going peat free and going pesticide free so um yeah thanks thanks so much it's been great talking to you i really appreciate
2: it it's been a pleasure steve always nice to talk to you